All right. Hello and welcome to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the intersection of arts and the Christian faith. I'm Zach Osinski, a collaborator here at Forefront, and today I'm so excited to welcome to the show Brooklyn-based musician Liz Weiss. Hi. So can we just start with, can you just tell me about, um, take me back through your faith background. Um, oh, man. You're raised in the church. Uh, how'd that all come about? Well, I grew up Catholic, but my my mom was more the, the, she was the baby of the family, so she was more like the rebellious Catholic. She wanted to be a musician, and um, she was, she's from L.A., that's where I was born. Don't tell any Portland people. Um, and so, having that background, and growing up in a religious home where it was more conservative, and then her going and, like, doing her thing in Hollywood, um, hanging out with singers and musicians and her also having an incredible voice. And so she moved to Portland, Oregon with my siblings and I, and she was pregnant with my baby brother. And so grew up in a single parent home, um, wasn't the easiest. And yeah, so just, you know, navigating, I don't know, I was a young girl, um, the middle of five, just... I always loved the arts and all of that jazz. And so I started going to um, a private school from kindergarten to the eighth grade. And I met my friend, Heather, and we, we're still friends to this day. We've been friends for over 20 years and we text every single day. And she would invite me to church. We met playing basketball. All right. And I would lie to her and say, oh, I'm going to mass with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> And then go back to sleep. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But there was something about just being in in a more structured environment, Mm. um, singing out of hymn books and seeing um, families come together and worship Jesus and then go home to where I saw a struggle that I mean, I you, how much can you really understand as a kid? But you just know that what you're going through is is not the most structured and stable. Mm-hmm. And so it would be like this this dual life, this dichotomy, living in a kind of chaotic home, and then going to a place that was more um, conservative. Even though people came from so many different backgrounds and upbringings. And like really insane testimonies that I would hear, like it was Jesus that was the common um, thread between them, between us that made it feel like family. And so I started going to church on a regular basis at the age of 14. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, when I started high school, we would do these Bible drills and these kids would know the books of the Bible. Like they would race and say all the books of the Bible. <laughs> and and the pastor of this of this school, my mom did not want me to go to this school, but I was so adamant about staying with my best friends that I I begged to be able to go to this private school, even though we didn't have any money and she had to work multiple jobs just to pay for it. Like I I was a kid, I didn't know. I knew what I wanted and that's what I begged for. And I saw these kids and they were getting baptized and you hear these testimonies and yeah, you would hear certain stories about 
little Timmy got left behind and the world ended and fire and brimstone. But that wasn't the thing that wooed me. The thing that wooed me was this relationship that I had started to build with the Lord. And so at the age of 15, um, against my uh, family's will, I got baptized into the faith of following Jesus, which I feel like it's weird to say that because I know Catholics that love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as I get older, I'm like, I don't really think God cares about denomination. Like, <laughs> I think we do that so that we can say, oh, and in this practice, no one can go to the movie theaters and you can't wear dark nail polish. And I'm not making that up. Like I was, I've been a part of communities where you couldn't wear dark nail polish. Wow. Um, or you couldn't go to the movie theaters or that person was drinking beer. Oh my goodness. Right. Um, um. And I honestly didn't even have like my first alcoholic beverage until I was in my late twenties. Like I sheltered myself. Um, And so, yeah, I started going to church at 15 and right away my health went down the tube. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Mm. Um, And I don't know where this comes from, but in my mind, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a living sacrifice for Jesus. (laughs) And my family's going to see me suffer. And then, okay, this is like really dramatic and I just blame it on my middle child. Um, position but I was like oh my gosh I'll get really sick and then maybe I'll die and something miraculous would happen at my funeral and my family would change and they'll they'll have a desire to know Jesus mm-hmm. as if I could do that as if I could save people and as I get older I realize you actually don't save people Jesus does you just show them um, what your life is like pressing into the Lord and leaning on the Lord, even when it feels like hell. <laughs> um, and so I got sick right away, like six months after I dedicated my life to Jesus. Wow. And I was in and out of the hospital till about the age of 19. And my doctor told me that I needed to start dialysis or I was going to die that year because of <sighs> kidney failure. And I know a lot of people, they know that I've had health issues and like even some of the people that I'm meeting now, they're like, I don't really know your health story. It's because I never wanted to be like something that I lean on or this is my identity, but it is a part of my story and has um, really impacted my faith and how I follow Jesus. And so at the age of 19, I was on dialysis and I walked into this clinic and I was probably 20 to 30 years younger than the people at this dialysis vicinity. Mm-hmm. And I just knew Jesus was going to heal me. I knew that I was brought into this position where people would see something miraculous. Like in my mind, I believe that God wanted to show people himself through my life wow. and my health got worse and worse and worse and worse. I was malnourished because my body was shutting down from dialysis. But the nurses didn't know that at the clinic. Neither did the doctors. They didn't really know what was going on. And so I actually had a teacher and a nurse ask if I had an eating disorder because I was so thin. And I'm tall. I'm like 5'10". 
uh-huh. and probably weighed like 130 pounds. I look like a skeleton. Uh-huh. Um, and come to find out my body was just shutting down. My, I wasn't digesting food. Like I would eat something and it would just sit in my gut. And so it went from, I know God is going to heal me to God. Please take my life. I cannot take I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. You've won. You've won. Let's, it's over. I know you now. It's been four years. This is great. It's time to move on. As soon as the three months after I started dialysis, I went into septic shock. Mm. The, the permacath that they placed in my chest got infected. And I developed congested heart failure. <laughs> I was 19 years old. And it just got worse and worse for the next two years until the age of 21. And in that time, I wrestled with the Lord. Like, I would go to the hospital. I was still in school. I felt like, oh, hey, fine, Lord. If you're not going to take my life, then I'm going to live my life. And not live my life in a way of, let me get my health back. Let me, let me start preparing for life after this season. It was if you're going to take my life, then you're going to take it while I'm doing something with it. So I went to school and I wanted to be an actress. And I was taking these acting classes. I was taking art classes, painting. I used to paint every single day while I was on dialysis. My Uh mom has so many paintings in her basement. And I actually brought two of those paintings from that time with me in New York City. So they mean a lot to me. And in that time, I'm wrestling with the Lord. If you don't take my life, then I'm going to continue to live my life as though I'm not sick. And Mm -hmm. so I would go to gym classes. If I was discharged on the Sunday, I would tell my mom, take me to church. And I would sit there in the pews with my head. I could barely sit up and just be in the pews and like, God, you better bless me. You better show up. I'm not, you, you can't get rid of me this easily. Um, and so that was like my introduction to walking to Jesus was, I believe in you. And I'm going to get baptized, not because I'm afraid of hell, but because I'm really, I just feel like this is the right thing to do. I can't explain it. It just feels right. Mm-hmm. And so three and a half years later, before Christmas, I get a call at five in the morning and they have a kidney transplant for me. And I'm skipping a bunch of stuff. I was in and out of the hospital. I got bacterial infections that usually kill people after they get it once. I've gotten it twice. Um, Congestive heart failure. If I stood up too fast, I would collapse immediately. Like I fainted sitting on a toilet. Didn't tell my nurse because I was embarrassed. But also like, no, I'm bigger. I'm better than this. You'll be fine. Mm. Get up. Like, what the, I don't know where that came from inside of me. Like, this determination, like Jacob, send everything away, and we're going to duke it out. If this is Mm -hmm. what it looks like to follow you, then we're going to duke it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, got my transplant and went to school four weeks later. I got my transplant over Christmas break, went to school four weeks later to finish out the medical assisting program that I signed up for because I was like, okay, I'm not going to live long enough to go to a four-year university to be an actress. Then I'm going to go to school 
and work in hospitals while I'm still alive because I know what it looks like and feels like to be a patient. And so I want to take care of people who feel forgotten and unseen. Like this was my mindset mm-hmm. that, okay, I just got my transplant four weeks later. Now I'm going to go into the hospital and encourage people. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked, I graduated from the medical assisting program, but also had an associate of science and associate of arts degree. Like I stayed in school and I did all the programs I could knowing I couldn't go to a four-year university because I didn't think I would live long enough to do so. And I remember when I graduated from the medical assistant program, I, I wrote this down in a diary. Lord, if I don't get a full-time job working in the hospital by October, I'm going to go to school for what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking for local schools that had a film program because I had to go and get lab work like three days a week for three months and I needed to stay close by while they monitored my new kidney transplant monitored my heart. I almost had to have a heart transplant um, because it was so bad. And I was just like, God, I remember the day they told me and I was laying in a hospital because I had been there for two weeks. And I said, Lord, if I have to have a heart transplant, you might as well kill me now because I will not continue to fight. And then I started this medication and my heart got better. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I just got a transplant and graduated from medical assisting program and went to film school in downtown Portland. And people would ask my story and I told them about my health issues and blah, blah, blah. And I was on honor roll and graduated with honors and gave my commence, gave the um, valedictorian speech. Oh, sure. And told my testimony of my sickness and um, didn't want to be didactic, didn't want to be preachy about it. Well, that's what one of my teachers said. She was like, you don't want to be preachy. And I remember before I gave my speech, I set it up as though I was getting receiving an Oscar speech. <laughs> and when they called my name, I was like, first off, I would like to thank the Academy. Like I have, <laughs> when I was on dialysis, I wrote an Oscar speech. And this was, the speech is over 15 years old. And I've never opened it since wow. the day I wrote it because I, I can't open it unless I give an Oscar speech and I used to carry it with me everywhere. I also made a bucket list of places that if perhaps God actually brings me out of this horrible season, then I will go to these places. And so I graduated from film school and as a gift to myself, I got a passport and I started checking off things on that bucket list. And my number one was New York City. And the Mm -hmm. thing that brought me to New York was music. And that's a whole story in itself. But my walk with Jesus has been really tough. It's not like third world country tough where bombs are overhead or I'm starving and eating out of dumpsters or living on the streets. But it has been a toughness of, God, are you real? God, do you love me? God, will you defend me? When will you stand up for me? And wrestling with doubt and being a part of um, a faith community 
a bride, um, the church body as a whole, in and out of a building where we are not really good with wrestling with doubt and letting ourselves live in the in the ashes and scraping ourselves with clay pots like Job did. And he's wondering, why me? Why me? Um, but there are stories in the gospel that remind me of my story where Job was a man that God loved and he boasted about. And he was still allowed to go through a really horror. Like he lost everything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why me? What did I do? What did I do? And so when I first got sick, it was, what did I do? Is it this thing I did when I was nine years old? I'm sorry. Is it this person that I'm angry at? I'm sorry. What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Mm-hmm. And even John the Baptist, he, he like, when his mother was pregnant with him and Mary came with Jesus in her belly, like John the Baptist, the spirit was excited. He unlaced Jesus's sandals. He baptized Jesus and a dove came above and God announced, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. And the day the moments before John the Baptist died, he's like, are you the Messiah? Mm-hmm. So my whole walk with Jesus has been like, are you the Messiah? And moments of you are so real that I can barely get out of bed. Mm. But those are usually alone times. Those are usually times when I'm in a crowd where other people might not be having that experience. Those are times where I'm singing in a place on stage where those people wouldn't necessarily be invited into the church community, where those people have been hurt by the church, where those people aren't interested in God at all, where I feel like in my mind, I am on my knees worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And that's very rare when I sing on stage. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's what you asked me, but that's pretty much my faith walk with the Lord. It's a battle. It's a wrestling match. It's a, sometimes he's kneeing me and my neck. You need to rest. You don't Mm -hmm. need to know all the answers. You need to trust me. Um, It is filled with expletives and I'm done with this. And what's the point? But also filled with, if you are so big, you can handle all of this and what I'm going through and how the anger and frustration and the doubt and the pain that I feel is nothing in comparison to the love that you have for me. So I'm good. I'm just really angry in my humanness because I don't get it. Sure. Wow. Liz. Yeah. Welcome to my story. <laughs> Thank you for inviting not only me, but our listeners in. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wish I had more to say throughout other than just, you know, wow and wow and wow. But wow, Liz. (laughs) That's just like the world's smallest nutshell of the past 20 years of following Jesus. And even I can think of things before I became a Christian and even in my mother's womb, how it's been a battle of stepping into this world Mm -hmm. and saying yes to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So what, what's amazing to me is that, so you, you put out your first album in 2015. There's a light Mm -hmm. listening to there's a light. It's such 
for the most part, at least, it's such an outpouring of praise and mm -hmm. reverence and and joy. Mm -hmm. When people started to to follow you as Liz Weiss, the musician, mm -hmm. were they then surprised to hear, oh, this is a woman who has seen a life of, of pain and, and suffering? After hearing it and hearing all this this joy and exuberance, were they surprised to hear when you would give your testimony to hear all the the pain and struggle that you've lived with? I mean, sometimes I've even had complete strangers say, where is your joy? Hmm. You get to do music like this, like you're living the dream. Mm -hmm. This is what you get to do. Mm. I don't understand when the followers of Jesus begin to think that just because we say yes to the Lord, that it's supposed to be like bubble gum and like <laughs> gum drops and we're like in candy land right everything should be easy jesus uh -huh. himself said in this world you will have trouble but uh -huh. chin up i've got this right there are things that we experience that are too much to carry and that and like we we say these phrases this too shall pass. There, God doesn't give you more than you can carry. That's not true. He does. Right. Because if, if he didn't, why would Jesus have to die on the cross? Absolutely. Like it doesn't even match up with scripture, Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't match up from the day man entered into the world. It doesn't match up. We can no longer live behind this facade of, Everything is awesome. Everything is great. It's very hedonistic. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not all the fills. It's not all, yay, everything's fine. Yes, God is on the throne. But in my name, you will be persecuted because of me. But what you're experiencing in darkness here will be nothing in comparison to when you are finally with me face to face. And so the thing about my first record, I'm going to come out of the closet with that. I didn't write it, nor do I claim to have written it myself. Um, and most people in the music industry, a lot of people don't write their own stuff, but because my face is on the record, it's my voice. Like I got to make it my own. Mm -hmm. I, I sang those songs through my testimony. Like I can sing those songs because of what I've experienced, but I didn't write that first record. I never, ever wanted to do music. I can, can yeah. you walk through that? Can you walk yeah. us through abandoning what your studies were in? Yeah. In receiving this new call yeah. and what you learned about, about surrender and, yeah. you know, you I said mean, learned a lot about trust already, but. Yeah. I mean, I learned about surrender when I was put in a position of ill health, mm -hmm. when I, there was nothing I could do. And a lot of times there was nothing the doctors could do. Mm. Um, so that's surrender of, I'm fragile. I'm a vapor, hevel, here today, gone tomorrow. You are like a beautiful field that dries up and then withers away the next day. Like, 
life is so short, but it also feels really long too. Um, and so when I was a little girl, I loved music. I loved music and like top 40 music, like <laughs> Hall and Oates, um, Bonnie Raitt. I love Madonna. I love Bette Midler. I love Barbara Streisand, um, Anita Baker, Nat King Cole. I like, I loved classical music. I loved instrumental music. And when I was little to escape the instability and the uncertainty in my home, mm-hmm. I would go into the basement for hours and dance to movie soundtracks that my mom would buy me. Um, I remember uh, dancing to Yentol, Papa, Can You Hear Me, or Evita, Madonna, or the soundtrack of Little Mermaid. Oh, my gosh, Disney, man. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, but Disney music from when I was a kid was so good. It's just not the same. And, yes, Coco is incredible, and I've <laughs> cried twice. The both times I've seen Coco, it gets me every time. I just, it's too much. Like, uh-huh. that's the Disney that I love. And Pixar is killing it too. But, mm-hmm. like, when I was a kid, I loved the Little Mermaid soundtrack, the Pocahontas soundtrack. Um, I don't remember really getting into Aladdin. I knew the Lion King soundtrack forwards and backwards before the movie came out and i would dance for hours and sing for hours in my basement with that music and it was my secret i would go Mm -hmm. into my room and listen to top 40 music to brian adams i didn't know ryan adams but brian adams (laughs) and rod stewart (laughs) like whatever came on k103 in portland oregon which was soft rock Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would listen to and sing when I was a little girl in my bedroom. I would keep one foot against the door so that no one could come in and hear me singing. Otherwise, I would shrivel up and die. Mm-hmm. But my mom would dress us up and have us sing Wind Beneath My Wings um, on video. Yeah, she could have definitely been a show mom. So I'm happy we didn't have the money to pay for headshots with ABC teens and kids and Barbizon. You know what I'm saying? I hope you're not sponsored by them, but they're scams. Not as far as I know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, And so I wanted to be an actress, but I remember I did an audition and they said, do you know the song When the Saints Go Marching In? I had to sing. They wanted me to sing, and I was like, yeah, I don't know the words no. of that song. And that was the end of my career. Like, I just, I could not sing in front of people. And when I started going to this church um, in Portland at the age of 14, we would sing out of hymns, and that's how I learned how to harmonize. Like, we sometimes we'd have a piano, sometimes we didn't. And whoever started the song, whoever's leading that worship that day, whatever key they started on, that's the key we sang it in. Uh-huh. And so that's how I learned how to sing, as well as my secret of singing in the bathroom for hours, like in the bathroom for hours, in the basement for hours, in my bedroom for hours. I was probably more introverted than I remember. Um, and after going to this particular church for 14 years, I had this epiphany that 
I, I want to be around people that are my age. I was like the oldest of the youngest. And there was like a 40 year gap, maybe like a 20 year gap between me and the youngest, oldest person. She was in her forties and I was like 18, 19 years old. Um, and so I wanted to be a part of a church community of younger people that loved Jesus, but I could connect to in a way that wanted to go to the movies. <laughs> um, and so I started going to this church in Portland in my late 20s, no, actually mid 20s. And the worship music was so incredible. I had never heard anything like that. I didn't grow up listening to CCM music. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, like I I listened to Grits. I listened to Jackie Velasquez, like the the end of when she was like super cool. Um, Stacey O'Rico, and then she became controversial because she sang about loving a dude instead of Jesus. <laughs> and Rachel Lampa and the Katinas, their first record. Barlow Girls, when it was like super angsty. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I got on the DC Talk wheel wagon after like later um Mm -hmm. but that lasted for like five years and then i taped my cds back together and i was like actually secular music is really good (laughs) then i got into like nsync and backstreet boys but i started going to this church and i had never heard worship music like that and i had never heard someone teach the gospel in a way that felt so tangible that was unapologetic about Mm -hmm their love for Jesus in a real way. And I felt this nudge and it was a very similar nudge to when I decided to dedicate my life to Jesus. Mm. And it was just, just sing harmonies, just sing harmonies. So when I would sing at the church I grew up in, it was always with my best friend. It was always singing harmonies or one time, the one time I sang a solo, I played the piano and saying, what if God was one of us? Oh, the Joan Osborne. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know how I got away with that. And I'm sure some of the people who knew Joan Osborne were like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> but I sang that song in church. And I was like, it says Jesus. Um, I didn't know any better. But I love that song. Not like one of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And so I hated singing in front of people, but this nudge would not go away. And I would ask strangers at church, uh, do you think I should sign up for the worship team? And they're like, I don't really know you, so do whatever you want. <laughs> and I auditioned for Josh White, the pastor of Door of Hope in Portland, Oregon. And I just sang harmonies to him. And then they had a Thursday night uh, prayer and worship session um and i would just sing harmonies and i eventually graduated to sundays and one of my friends that was leading worship asked if i wanted to sing a solo and my heart said no way but my head said yes and i sang this song called enfold me Mm. i was so scared i thought 
I was going to pass out and fall off the stage. Like when I get nervous, my pupils get smaller and smaller and I feel like I can't see. And so I would bring like the lyrics super close to my face because I just felt like my vision changed. (laughs) And I sang this solo at church and people who knew me were like, what was that? Where did that come from? And I had a friend walk on stage and she was crying and she's like, what? What was that? And I looked at her and I got teary and I said, I don't know. I just remember that I was so scared. All of the pores opened up on my body and I was like drenched in sweat. And I sang this song and everyone disappeared. And it felt like I was standing in an empty room and I was just singing to the Lord. There were no like bright lights and fog in a corner. It really was like I was in this room by myself. And when the song was over, everything went back as usual. And so there would be times when I would sing at church and people wouldn't move in the pews. Like they wouldn't move. They would just sit there and listen to me sing. Mm -hmm. And I remember a pastor came up to me and he was like, no one moved. Like when you sang that song, no one moved. And I didn't know what to do with that. And so... One by one, people would say, I think music is your calling. I think music is your calling. I think music is your calling. And I would deny it and say, no, that is not what I went to school for. That's Mm -hmm. not what I'm in debt for. I do not like to sing in front of people. This is not my calling. Complete strangers would hear my voice. They're like, maybe you should consider doing music. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, thank you. And so Josh White, the pastor, said, I have these songs that I want to keep for myself, but I think they belong to you. And so he wrote these songs for me, and he was like, is there any song that I have that you would love to cover? And I I chose Enclosed by You. I loved that song. And it was, it, the lyrics were incredible, but it wasn't until he got to the Oz um, mm. that I would lose it in church. Like I would just break down and just cry. And that was such a sweet moment in my faith where I, people would say I talked about Jesus as if he was someone I could call up on the phone and just talk to. Liz, where you are right now in your life and your career and Mm -hmm. in your walk as a Christian artist, do you have advice or a challenge to or an encouragement for Christian creatives that they might need to hear right now? Oh, man. Uh, Not to put you on the spot or anything. (laughs) I'm like, is this a good season to ask me this question? Mm. Um, What I've learned in this past season is that, I don't know, this sentence came to mind is, that there is a level of faith that only pain can introduce you to Mm. and to keep persevering and to be honest, like just because you're frustrated doesn't mean you've walked away or backslid just because you're brokenhearted by the things of the world. Like there's a difference between wearing the sadness and brokenness as a cloak and allowing yourself to acknowledge the reality of the world we live in. Um, 
and being honest about that. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I've been encouraged by other, by fellow artists to be honest about where I am um, because people need to hear it. And whether or not people understand, that's okay. It's, it's, they don't have to understand in the same way. I won't know all of the reasons why God allowed me to experience the things I've experienced. But it always goes back to, do you trust me? And so as artists who have a faith in Jesus, we know why we do what we do, or at least we're trying to figure that out, Um, that we are basically the prophets of today. We are sensitive for a reason. We get to speak on behalf of the forgotten. We get to bring the invisible realm to the the visible. Um, We get to be the portal between heaven and earth. And it's like a double-edged sword. It can um, give life and it can take life. So, yeah, I don't know. You don't always have to be strong. And sometimes you have to borrow the faith of other people. And it's exhausting. I'm tired. And it doesn't mean that I'm not grateful. It just means that I've been given more than I can handle. And so I have to lean on the shepherd. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Beautifully put, Liz. Um, yeah. And I have to say, just from you, you spoke about the importance of of honesty and mm-hmm. in expressing. And I have to say, I personally have received such a gift from from your honesty and your expression um, mm-hmm. from the work that you've done. So. Mm-hmm. Um, for me and from, I'm sure from, from everybody else, just thanks for your music. Thank you for your testimony. Um, we're so excited to see what's down the road for you, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my second record was always, Lord, I'm not going to make another record unless you give me something to say. And the thing that I have to say was, here's my story and here's Here's a bit of my walk with the Lord, and it's been really hard and exhausting. And I doubt, and there's a difference between doubt and unbelief, but I doubt, but I get up and I keep going because I'm choosing to live my life to be an example of what I actually put my hope in. And my hope is that it won't always be hard. I won't always be exhausted that people will love each other well, that I'll learn to forgive myself and love myself well. Um, and to, to keep your chin up because Christ got this. The mm-hmm. King has this. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's like you said, you know, it's, I, I think one of the great, the great encouragements from, from your new album is to, to keep onwards, to mm-hmm. keep moving forwards. Mm-hmm. Because you are never without the presence of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, just personally, like you, one of the things that I received from, from that was that you gave, your music gave me a reason to dance when I didn't see any reason to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I truly believe that like, that's one of the great gifts of, that Christ gives to us is that his, you know, you know, of course, his his peace and his love surpass our understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that we are able 
to move forward despite despite our pain, despite our circumstances, despite suffering. Mm-hmm. So, hallelujah. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I'm like, there's literally nothing I can do about the stressors in my life. So today, I choose to spend too much money on food <laughs> and drink some wine <laughs> and laugh with my friends. If I can only have these couple of hours to step outside of the reality of having to move five times in a month. Mm. That's New York and finding a place to live really sucks here at times. And being in a position to where I have to learn how to receive. Like I feel like not being able to receive is just as sinful as being selfish. Um, where God is like, it's not just me and you, Liz. You have a whole family. Let them in. Let them carry this with you. That's really hard for me. Mm. And so what is it like that whole idea of submission? What does that look like? Mm. You don't have to be strong. You're not meant to be strong on your own. You have a whole body. You have a church, whether it's in a building or your roommate. Like, the, like you have a whole family to carry this with you. Um, so eat, drink, get up, be restored for this next journey, because I'm going with you. It, it's hard, and it mm. really sucks sometimes. <laughs> but when it's good, it's good. It's good. Amen. And I think that the testimonies that we have, they're like the stories of the scripture. That remind us, God knows we're dust, and we can only handle so much. And sometimes I'm like a sheep, mm-hmm. and I'm just like straying away and eating grass over here while the flock is doing their thing, and and God leaves the flock, and He's like, "Why are you over here? Mm-hmm. Let's right. let's all do this together. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an orphan anymore." Yeah, absolutely. So. I'm glad you could dance. I love dancing. Oh, yeah, man. (laughs) I've had to do a lot of it this year, and it's just it's been great. It's been hard, but it's been great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for sitting down with us and for for being on the podcast and for sharing your testimony. Uh, Everyone... Go check out Liz Vice on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram. You can find her music on her website. Her new album is Save Me. Go check it out. And um, from all of us here at Forefront, keep onwards, keep creating, and, and God bless you. <laughs>